Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Hordes, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today I'd like to talk with you about the importance of short-term mission trips uh, and how they can be beneficial, and also spend some time on the podcast today talking about how these things can also have negative impact if they're not done appropriately. I'm thinking a lot about this today because I'm myself getting ready to go on a short-term mission trip this summer. Gateway Seminary sponsors a program called Beyond Teams, where we send uh, teams out every summer to various places in the world. Uh, These are uh, led by faculty members. Their uh, students get course credit for them. There's syllabi and reading and all that goes into that. Uh, But I'm going along this year uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I I really want to be involved in international missions and be directly involved, uh, personally involved, and so this is an opportunity for me to do that. Second, we're going to a place in Southeast Asia that I've never been before, a place that uh, is strategic for global uh, mission advance and that we want to send many students to, so I feel like it would help me if I could get a firsthand experience there to uh, really make me better capable uh, or more capable of communicating with students about the needs in that part of the world. And also I want to go because I I want the opportunity to mentor students more directly. It's a small group of students that are going, and it'll give me the opportunity to uh, be on a first-name basis with them, uh, do street evangelism with them, uh, teach, preach, and lead in their context, and mentor them along the way. Uh, Most of the students who are going on this trip have a significant interest in international service, and many of them will ultimately wind up serving either with the International Mission Board or with some other group. And it's my opportunity to make an investment in their lives more directly than I normally get to do as president. So for me, uh, this is a good experience to prepare for this summer. It's a good experience to have, and I'm looking forward to it very much. But my personal experience of getting ready to go uh, has reminded me that many people in many churches around the Southern Baptist Convention are getting ready to do the same thing this summer. And so when we talk about short-term mission trips, as I said, this podcast is about the positive aspects of them and also some of the negative aspects if we're not careful. And then I'd like to end the podcast with some keys to making your mission trip uh, more effective. Uh, I'm sharing not only out of my own experience today, but I also contacted uh, some of our missions professors and other mission uh, missionaries and former missionaries here at the seminary and asked them to give me kind of a bullet point list of things they wanted me to say. And I was really amazed at uh, how much those lists overlapped and how many of them said the same things, which sort of leads me to believe that there are some core issues that need to be addressed if we're going to do these mission trips effectively. So first of all, uh, what is a short-term mission trip? Well, it's a two-week to uh, many-month experience that a person has going into a different culture, typically in a different country with a different language. Uh, it's not a permanent assignment. It has a beginning date and an end date, and uh, that defines it as short-term. Now, what are some of the positive aspects of these experiences? Well, first of all, uh, these trips are often the source of new missionaries who make permanent commitments or long-term commitments to the mission field. Uh, We certainly see that happening as churches take people overseas and people uh, sense that this is where God wants them to be and invest their lives. They come back and reorient themselves to go and serve internationally. Uh, We had a student here that was in his 50s. Uh, He had been successful in business for a number of years, went overseas, uh, was unbelievably captured by the needs he saw there, and really committed himself to going forward in that capacity. So he came back, uh, reorganized his businesses, sold some of them, uh, restructured his family and his personal finances, and came to seminary to get the training he felt like he needed before he went overseas, and he's serving internationally today. 
So sometimes short-term mission trips have a positive benefit or a positive impact of being a source of new missionaries. Uh, they're also a source of new missionaries for students like ours. Uh, we have students that are investigating all the possibilities of how God might use them going forward. Uh, some are considering being pastors or serving in other ministry capacities, but they're also considering international service. And going overseas for a while gives them the opportunity to field test that sense of calling, to evaluate how they adjust and how they work and how, they're, how uh, effective they are in a different cultural setting, and to decide if that's really where they need to be. So a positive aspect, short, new missionaries, long-term serving missionaries are often discovered. A second positive aspect is the connection of American Christians to global needs. When you take people on a short-term mission trip or, or when people go on a short-term mission trip, uh, they're often profoundly moved by what they encounter in other places in the world. Uh, they're uh, overwhelmed by the poverty they encounter. They're, they're overwhelmed by the, the lack of knowledge about Christianity. They're, they're overwhelmed by the, uh, the oppressiveness that is in many governments and any, many regimes around the world. Uh, they're, they're just overwhelmed and, and really discover in a way that you really can't until you experience it firsthand, this profound connection to and sense of the global needs. Uh, I remember going to one African country, for example, and uh, at the beginning of the meeting where I was speaking, the leader said, now, we need to remind you that you can't sleep in the building, that no one can remain in the building overnight, that you have to go outside to sleep or you have to go and sleep somewhere else. And I thought, well, what do you mean somewhere else? And I asked the organizers, and they said, well, most of the people who come to this meeting will sleep outside or they'll sleep on the sidewalks or they'll, they'll, they'll sleep uh, in, in the backyard of someone or something like that. And, and I was kind of just dumbfounded by that, that people would come miles to hear me speak and do so at, at such a level of sacrifice and investment. That, that's the kind of uh, global need, the kind of need that just grips our hearts when we go overseas and see how people are really living and the sacrifices that people are making to be Christians and to serve in the Christian movement. Another positive aspect of short-term mission trips is increased generosity by Christians who uh, see the needs and come home with a deeper commitment than ever to give to missions, especially international missions. Our International Mission Board has done a good job of studying this at and they've determined that uh, people that go overseas and churches that send people overseas see an increase in their missions giving over time. This shouldn't surprise us. Uh, when people go and see the need uh, and they come back, they recognize many times that they don't have the skill set to go and live internationally or they don't have the health that would permit them to be able to do that or maybe they have family obligations that, that restrict them. But they do know one thing they can do, and that is give more resources to support the people who can go or the people who are already there. And so a positive aspect of short-term mission trips is increased generosity from those who go. And then the final uh, benefit is that actual a meaningful, effective mission work gets done. The gospel is shared. People are one to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Christian leaders are strengthened. Churches are made more, uh, uh, churches are, are also strengthened. And so the short-term mission teams do accomplish significant work on the mission field for uh, advancing the kingdom of God around the world. 
Uh, they're not there on religious trips. They're not there on some kind of a spiritual junket. They're, they're not there just to have a, uh, a holy vacation. They're actually there to get work done, and they do get work done. And people have come to faith in Christ. Leaders have been trained. Churches have been strengthened because people go on these kind of trips. So short-term mission trips, some positive aspects. They are often the source of new missionaries. They connect American Christians to global needs. They usually result in increased generosity among people who go and among churches who send teams to give more and more money to international missions. And meaningful mission work, sharing the gospel, training leaders, strengthening churches, all of that gets done because of the work that's accomplished through short-term missions. Now, having laid out these positive factors, let me now talk about some of the negative aspects uh, that can be harmful. First of all, one of the most, uh, difficult, one of the most uh, uh, damaging aspects of short-term mission trips is when the people involved demonstrate cultural insensitivity and don't have an awareness of where they're working and how they're being perceived as Americans coming into the situation. For example, uh, one of our uh, uh, faculty members told me this story that happened while he was serving on the mission field. A short-term team came, and they struggled, but they, they did the best they could to try to adjust, and, and yet there was one person on the team who just really, really had a hard time. Uh, and about the fifth day into the trip, they went to a, a family's home for a meal, and they were served rice. And she said, rice, I can't believe we're having rice again. I can't eat any more rice. Well, the family that was hosting them uh, had been fasting one day a, a, one day or excuse me, one meal every day for about a week to save up the rice to serve to the Americans that day because they felt they were honored guests in their home. And this, woman's out, this young woman's outburst of cultural insensitivity, of, of criticizing the food in the home of a family that had sacrificed much to be able to provide it for her, really destroyed the credibility of the mission team. Uh, damaged the reputation of the missionaries in the area and set the work back in that, uh, in that village for some time. So cultural insensitivity, uh, not paying attention to uh, what's offered to you to eat, how you're supposed to dress, uh, how you greet people, and, and how you, per you, you relate to them in public settings. I think about another experience that one of my children had. Uh, they were on a mission team in a Muslim country, and when they arrived, uh, they were reminded again uh, how conservatively the girls on their team needed to dress in order to be appropriately received in the culture. And two of the girls really re reacted negatively and said, I'm tired of hearing this. I've been hearing it ever since I got into the training for this trip, and I'll dress however I want to. And they had quite a confrontation there with local leaders and missionaries because these girls were were completely insensitive to what was going to happen to them and how it was going to undermine the work of the missionaries if they didn't uh, dress appropriately. A second negative aspect of short-term mission trips that uh, our missionary team talked to me about here at Gateway is what they called methodological arrogance. Now that sounds fancy. What it means is that you, you bring uh, an arrogance with you about your own methods of doing missions and you don't really pay attention to how they're being done on the field or what needs to be done on the field. Uh, one of our uh, former missionaries told me here that they once worked with an American megachurch that really wanted to be involved in missions. And so they would charter a plane uh, every year and fly about 150 people into this country to do missions. 
And they came with the plan of doing exactly what they did back in America, sharing the gospel the same way, using the same methodologies, the same missionary strategies. And while they created a lot of furor and a lot of uh, energy when they came, there really wasn't much to show for it when they left because their methodologies really weren't effective in that particular cultural setting. And the missionary was telling me this story, said, I was so always so frustrated because they had, they had so much resource and they had... Uh, really, they had a, a great passion to do something significant, but because they wouldn't listen and and adjust their methodology, they were ineffective or, or far less effective than they could have been if they'd just been willing to be trained and learn how to do something different than they brought with them from their American setting. So cultural insensitivity, that's one negative aspect. Another is methodological arrogance, being uh, really sure that you know what's best and doing it no matter what local leaders tell you. And then a third negative aspect are wasted resources. And that is uh, mission teams who, who come into settings and, uh, and accomplish things, or at least try to accomplish things, but really wind up wasting their resources rather than really making a difference where they are. And a couple of examples of that. Uh, you know, I'm here in Southern California, and I was talking to a, uh, a leader that works just over the border in Mexico, and he said, you know, we have uh, churches in Southern California that contact us regularly and say, you know, we want to bring a mission team down to help you, and, and we really want to bring our middle schoolers down and give them a first taste of missions, and so we, wanna, we want them to come down and do a construction project for you. And this missionary said, you know, we... We don't really have that many construction projects, but we, we try to accommodate them. So they come down, and, and we let them paint a school. And I said, oh, really? He goes, yeah, the school's been painted four times since I've been here as a missionary. He goes, it doesn't need to be painted again, but, but that's what they think will be helpful to us, is to come down and do some kind of uh, project uh, that will be some construction project that will somehow help us in our work. He said, you know, I, I understand that, that uh, this gives them a, uh, an opportunity to get middle schoolers here with a first taste of missions and gives them a sense of service and of, and of being able to engage someone else in a different context or culture. And so on that one level, it's probably helpful. But he said, for what we're doing in the field, it's really not that helpful. In fact, frankly, the locals kind of think it's a joke. I said, well, what would be helpful? He said, if you really want to make a difference and you want to make a difference in relationship to construction in our villages, here's what you do. Rather than spending the money to send a mission team down here, uh, send me one person who can train men in our village to be painters. Uh, help them to learn a skill. Help them to learn how to uh, manage a small business. Help them learn how to do something to provide for their families. And don't take work away from them by sending an American team down with all the resources that they bring with them to get this job done. Instead, give me the resources to have a training program in our villages to raise up the level of capability of men so that they can find work and take care of their families. He said, it would be even better if you sent me the money and let me hire men to come into the school and paint it and do the repair work necessary, and in the context of that, build relationships, share gospel, and make impact in the community. So, wasted resources. Another example, a uh, missionary told me about this one that happened in Russia. Uh, an American team wanted to come and do street evangelism in Russia, and the missionary said, well, I I don't really think that's going to be the most effective. There are ways to do evangelism in Russia, and we can help you to be guided. No, we want to do street evangelism in Russia. Well, I understand that, but... And so this American team uh, spent several thousand dollars bringing over everyone, and they had printed tracts in the United States uh, in Russian 
that were a translation of an American-style gospel tract, and they brought those with them, and they stood outside of subways and handed them out to people as they came off the subways. And the missionary said, you know, I, I stood about half a block away and watched every single one of those that was handed out be thrown in the trash or thrown in the gutter. He said, people rec- recognized what it was. It, it was an American uh, piece. They perceived it as an American propaganda piece. They could see it was printed in America. It wasn't even printed in Russia. It, it had an American style to it. They, they weren't going to read something like that. And he said also, they spoke no English. They, they had, he said, it would have been far better to send the money to Russia. Let me have the materials printed here. Use Russian-speaking young adults that I've led to faith in Jesus Christ and let them take those gospel tracts into their communities, their schools, their workplaces, and share the gospel there or make the gospel available there. With that relational connection and with something locally produced, they would have been received and likely at least read or considered as a part of the gospel witness. So when I talk about wasted resources, these are the kinds of things I'm talking about. Uh, they look so good to the American mind. Oh, let's go overseas. Let's paint a school. Let's help an orphanage. Let's do something with construction to raise the standard. When in real- reality, that act undermines the local opportunity to develop, train, resource, and raise the level of those in that village who can do that same kind of work. And then gospel tracts in, in, in Russia. Yeah, the gospel needs to be shared in Russia, but it would be better to ask the missionaries, what can we do to share the gospel most effectively and directly? How can we come and help you uh, to do this? And yes, there are some ways that you can go and help them do that, but you have to do it on the terms they define and they describe, not in ways that you perceive it to be helpful from an American perspective. So negative aspects, cultural insensitivity, methodological arrogance, wasted resources, these are some of the ways that missionaries are frustrated by by short-term mission trips that don't make a positive contribution to them. And the really overarching negative of all of these three that I've described is that the long-term team is undermined. You see, short-term teams, uh, they, they don't realize always that when they go into a cultural setting, they're there for 5, 7, 10, 14 days. Uh, they're there for a short time. But the missionaries, uh, the ones who live there, they, they've been there for years, and they have to stay there for years. And so whatever a short-term team does, they have to be absolutely certain that they elevate and support the work of those who are going to be there for the long haul and not undermine that work. And some of the ways that I've just described, these negative aspects, undermine the work of the long-term team, and that's why they're not helpful. So we've talked about some positive aspects and some negative aspects. Now let me end the podcast by talking about some keys to effectiveness. In other words, you really want to do short-term missions, and I've already said it's a good thing, and I believe in it. I want to do it too. I'm going to do it this summer. So this is not a negative about short-term missions, although I did give you some counsel here in the middle about how to avoid some negative aspects. So let's talk about some positive keys to effectiveness, things you can do to really make sure your short-term team does the best job possible. Number one, choose the team carefully. Choose believers who have a demonstrated level of spiritual maturity and some competence in doing ministry. It always amazes me that churches will issue a you-all-come invitation to go on an international mission trip. Uh, We wouldn't issue a you-all-come invitation for people to work in our nurseries or our preschool. We wouldn't issue a you-all-come invitation for people to teach Bible study or to lead in our Sunday schools or in our small group ministries. We have careful screens in place to make sure that people who are involved in those programs have the training, the expertise, and the supervision they need to really do an effective job. The same and even a heightened level of that same kind of uh, screening needs to take place for people who are going to serve internationally. They need to have the spiritual maturity 
to adjust to and to deal with living in a different culture for a few days or a few weeks and making a difference there. And they need to have the missional competence to be able to go into a setting and make a, a real contribution to do something really positive. So you have to choose the team carefully. Uh, the you all come approach or whoever's got the money to go approach is simply not sufficient. You have to have some screening mechanisms to make sure that maturity and competence are evident for, before a person can go. Now that doesn't mean you can't take a new Christian or doesn't mean you can't take a young person. Um, but it does mean that if you're going to do that, you have to take those people in the context of helping them to grow in their relationship with the Lord and in their capacity for service. And you have to make sure that they're going to have adequate supervision, mentorship, coaching, and actually, in some cases, protection to make sure that they have a positive experience, both in a personal growth capacity and also a positive experience of making a contribution where they're going. So number one, choose the team effectively. Number two, train the team. Train the team. Uh, for a person to go on a short-term mission trip, they should be required to go through a training process that involves several meetings and some reading, perhaps some videos and other things that can be used. You say, well, I don't even know where to begin with that. Well, then you're not ready to lead a short-term mission trip. Uh, a short-term mission trip requires training in culture and missiology and evangelism and basic missionary methods. Now, that doesn't mean you have to turn it into a seminary class, but it does mean that a person needs to be coached on what to wear, what to say, uh, how to act. It needs to be, they need to be coached on some unique aspects of the culture, where they're going, and the religious background of the people they're going to try to reach. They need to be taught about the missionaries who are in place and the strategies they're currently using and what the missionaries have requested the team do when they arrive. Now, you don't want to overwhelm people or intimidate them or help or convince them that they can't do it, but you do want to humble them a bit and help them understand that an international mission trip is not about taking what you do in America and going over there and doing it somewhere else. An international mission trip is about learning the culture and uh, where you're going and the missiology required to reach that culture and dovetailing those efforts into the ongoing work the missionaries are doing on the field. A third key to effectiveness is teaching your team that while they're on the, on the short-term trip, they are in submission to field leaders. This means they're in submission to the missionaries and they're in submission to the nationals. Uh, and they need to understand that very clearly. Uh, short-term teams need to arrive with this attitude. We're here to serve with you and we're here to serve you. And so if you tell us to do something or not to do something, we're going to recognize your insight and we're simply going to follow your direction. I can think of a couple of times when I've been on short-term mission trips and the mission leader or even the national leader would say to me, uh, don't, don't, don't go there. Don't, don't, don't say that. Uh, no, let, let's, let's don't do this. And I would think, well, why not? But I had the good sense and the training to recognize that I was in submission to local missionaries and field leaders, and my response was, thank you, let's do what you suggest, or thank you, let's, let's move on to the next place. I don't always understand why I'm being told I can't go somewhere or I can't say a certain thing or I can't interface with a certain person. I just know that if the local missionary says this is what we need to do, then that, that's what we need to do. And so when you go on, an international, on a short-term mission trip, you're in submission to local missionaries and local national leaders. And you're not there to question them. You're not there to debate with them. You're certainly not there to tell them you know better, but you're actually to practice submission and to trust them to help you to have the best experience possible. Now, a part of that is number four, and that is when you serve internationally, do the projects requested, not the project you want to impose on the mission field. 
For example, even when I was a church planter in the Pacific Northwest, teams would contact us and say, we want to come to the Northwest and do vacation Bible school, or we want to come to the Northwest and do street evangelism, or we want to come to the Northwest and do construction. Well, if that happened to dovetail with what I needed at that particular time in our church plant, then my answer was yes. But on a few occasions, I said, you know, we, we really don't have a project like that for you this summer. And I turned down teams because it didn't fit into what we were trying to accomplish. Now, as a person going on a short-term mission trip, you need to be sure that you're doing the project requested by the field, not a project you're imposing on the field. A good example. One of our uh, faculty members told me that uh, while he was serving in a European city, a group contacted him and said, we'd like to come and do ministry with you. We'd like to do the most direct evangelism work possible. We really want to talk to as many people as we can about Jesus. He said, that would be great. We have a Bible distribution project that we're going to be doing, and if you could come and help us with that, it would, it would uh, expand exponentially the number of people that we could contact. And so this team said, that's great. We'll, le we'll learn to do that. And so the missionaries sent training materials and, and, and insight on how to do Bible distribution in this European capital. And then the team came. The missionaries spent one day giving them an orientation of what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. And then they went into the community to do Bible distribution. Uh, the groundwork had been laid, uh, the community was receptive, the, the strategy and the plan that the missionaries had developed was very uh, appropriate for that cultural setting, and these missionaries were able to distribute hundreds, or excuse me, the short-term missionaries were able to distribute hundreds and hundreds of Bibles in support of the team that was already in place, the long-term team, and the strategy they had. And out of this, dozens of people came to faith in Jesus. And beyond that, after the short-term team went home, the long-term team had continued follow-up relationships with many people who had received Bibles, and the con conversions and the expansion of the gospel uh, continued after the short-term team had gone. So this is a good example of what I mean by do projects requested. The team that wanted to come wanted to do a most, the most direct evangelism project possible. They were willing to do street witnessing. They were able to preach. They were willing to go out and do evangelism in public places. Uh, they were willing to do home visitation. Whatever it took, they were willing to do it. But the missionary said, well, we have this Bible distribution project. And if you can dovetail into that, you'll build relationships, you'll be able to share the gospel, you'll create more relationships for us, you'll leave the word of God in the homes of many people, and over time we'll see even more results come from that. This missionary told me that was one of their best experiences with a short-term team because the team came committed to plugging into the field and what they needed, not the other way around. Number five, another key to effectiveness is to really connect with local people when you're there. As one of our missions professors said, there's not much that replaces a smile and, and, and a, an outreached hand when you go into a new culture. If you let people know, I, 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 I want to be here, I want to know you, I want to engage with you, they'll overlook a lot of your cultural mistakes if they sense in you a person who really wants to connect with them. You know, when I go on short-term missions or when anyone goes on a short-term mission trip, it's important to really identify with the people where you're going. Uh, it means you eat what they eat. Now, this is a big issue for a lot of Americans. They, uh, they, they, they are used to eating three times a day. They're used to eating more than they need. They're used to eating pretty much whatever they want when they want. And when you get overseas, especially in a lot of settings where the gospel is just now starting to expand, uh, you find that's just simply not the case. And 
And so you have to make a decision before you go. I'm going to eat what's put before me, and I'm going to eat only what's offered to me, and, I, and I'm not going to complain about it. And you say, well, I might not get as much as I want. Well, you know, a good preparation for going on short-term missions is to fast, uh, to skip a meal a day, and just to feel what that, uh, to, to get accustomed to what that feels like. You say, well, it doesn't feel good. Well, get used to it. That's how most of the people in the world live. And when you go, or when you fast and miss a meal and carry on with your normal day, you realize, you know what, I, I don't have to eat as much as I've been eating, and I can still function, I can still do what I'm supposed to do. And so learn to eat what's put before you. Learn to identify with the people where you're going. Uh, recognize that you're only going to be there for a short time, and that during that time uh, you can adjust, and then when you come home you can eat however you want. Sleep wherever you're told to sleep. Now, this is hard for me. I know that I like a nice, comfortable bed at night, but I, on my last trip that I went on, I was given a bed that was about as comfortable as a granite countertop. Uh, this thing was like sleeping on a rock. I had a thin sheet, a small pillow, and the rock bed. And that's what I had for the week that I was there. But every night when I laid down, I said, Lord, you had to help me somehow sleep on this hard bed. This is the best they have. They've offered this to me as an honored guest, and I, I want to I enjoy it, Lord, and, and, and receive it as your provision. Uh, you know, connect with local people, worship with them, and worship the way they want to worship. Uh, don't think you're going to go there and, and take an American style of worship or an American style of, of, of uh, singing or of preaching and be effective. Ask what it's like where you're going and, and accommodate that. For example, I'm going to lead a pastor's training in this coming up trip, and I've asked the missionaries that, I'm, that, have, that have organized it, I've said, now, help me to know how to teach in that context. You say, well, you're, you're a seminary president. You, you know how to teach. You should teach the way you want to teach. That is exactly wrong. Um, I'm going as a short-term missionary. I'm going to support people in the local field. I need to find out how they teach there and how people there learn. I was so glad I asked because the, the person said, well, now remember, almost no one you'll be speaking to can read. And almost no one that you'll be speaking to has a full Bible in their language. Now, they have parts of Scripture. They have the Gospels and some other parts that have been translated, but just remember that. Now, they, they, they want you to teach them from the Bible, and they need you to do that by telling them the stories and helping them understand those stories and then helping them understand how those stories apply to life and how they apply particularly to building churches because I'm going to be speaking to church leaders. This was so helpful for me. So I don't want to go there and give lectures. I don't want to go there and depend on PowerPoint. I want to go there with stories. I want to say, let me tell you what happened uh, in, a, in a church called Antioch in the first century world, and I want to be able to read that story and tell that story and teach that story. Now, I've written a book about that, but I'm not going to go there and give them my book. I'm going to go there and tell them the story, and out of that story, draw the principles that will help them to be better and more effective church leaders. So when you go and connect with local people, it means you eat what they eat, you sleep where they sleep or where they tell you to sleep. It means you worship as they worship, and it means you teach in a way that they can receive it, not in a way that you want to give it. Well, Another key to effectiveness is to share money carefully. Uh, one of our missions professors uh, reminded me of this recently. He said it's so important when you go into another culture to scale down what you think of in terms of things costing and things are, how things are valued uh, and to share money carefully. You know, a lot of Americans think, well, we just need to send more money and, and, and we need to just take care of these needs. But all that does is inflate expectations for a short period of time. And then people go right, have to go back to what they were before. It's better to ask the missionaries, is there a way that we can be financially invested in this work that would be helpful, not hurtful? 
Uh, it is important to share the resources we have, and it is important to be generous with what God has given us. But doing that indiscriminately can undermine the work that needs to go on and can create a dependence that's unhealthy in, in the mission field. And so it's okay to share money, but share it carefully and only do it in the context of talking with the local missionaries and local leaders about how that can be done and how it can be done well. And then finally, and most importantly, the key to effectiveness for short-term missions is share the gospel. Share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel. Uh, our missionary professors here at the seminary and missionaries I talked to all came back to this and said, look, it doesn't matter what else you do, talk about Jesus. Uh, talk about what Jesus means in your life. Talk about how he's changed you personally. Talk about what he can do in the lives of the people that are listening to you. Talk about Jesus and share the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. One person said, share it profusely. Share it aggressively. Share it relentlessly. Share it at every opportunity. Share the gospel and make sure that every short-term trip starts with gospel sharing as you get off the plane and ends with gospel sharing as you get out of the cab to go back into the airport. Gospel sharing. Share the gospel everywhere you go. Hey, that's not bad advice for staying at home either either, and sharing the gospel right where we are. Okay, I'm going on a short-term mission trip in a few weeks. I'm hoping to make a positive impact. I hope to avoid some of the negative aspects, and I've put into practice all seven of these keys that I've just taught you. Uh, we're going to choose our team, train our team, submit to the field, do what's requested, connect with people while we're there, be careful about money, and be generous with the gospel. If you'll do all these things, it'll make you more effective as you lead short-term trips. And if you've never been on one, find a way to go. If you've never led one, get the training you need and get your church involved. These are good ways to make a difference in our world as we lead on.